Let us prepare our hearts for a time of prayer and be with our Lord in these moments of connection and um, just being with our God. Hallelujah. The Savior of the world has risen, and we, your people, praise you and glorify you with our whole hearts. We bow in utter humility before the mystery and the majesty of the powerful love which you have poured out for each and every one of us. Your death on the cross and resurrection to life again have broken the bonds of evil and death once for and for all. And we rejoice as we celebrate your triumph. Lord, we praise you and thank you and give you our lives. We are yours and we love you. Lord, we pray this Easter morning for our friends, for our church family, and for our extended families um, all over the community. We lift up in celebration Ben and Lindsay Wagner as they welcome their son, Noah Benjamin, into their family. And know that he will be a blessing to his, his many family members and friends and those who will come to know and love him. And we celebrate with them on this day. And we also lift up those who have been close to you this week in their time of pain and sorrow. And we lift up in prayer those in need of healing and strength that only you can provide. We ask that you hear our prayers for Elois Larson, for Barb Marcus, who were in the hospital this past week, and for their families and loved ones who have been by their sides and will continue to be beside them in their times of recuperation. And Lord, we ask your blessings of peace and comfort and strength upon Virginia Oakley and her family as we learned of Steve's death last night following an illness this week as well. And we just ask that you will surround them with your love and comfort and that you will be with them in this time of grieving as they gather together and uh, start to do the business of saying goodbye to Steve. We also pray on this day of Easter celebration that hearts will be opened. We lift up in prayer those who do not know you, those who have made lost heart or turned away from you, and those whose spirits are in darkness. We ask that the true light of your love and your truth will penetrate their hearts. Lord, make us the instruments of your love and grace, and in all circumstances, may we be prepared to share the love of Christ and the good news of the gospel. And may we, with eagerness and willingness, witness to the power of your death and resurrection and what that means for each of us personally and for every one of us who are followers of Jesus. Lord, we ask all of these things. We bring them to your feet at the foot of the cross and and the light of your resurrection and ask them in the mighty name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. Our scripture lesson this morning is from the 28th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. 
he writes these words. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was, white, was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's be in prayer for Pastor Mike. Lord Jesus, you are the resurrected Christ. You walked out of that tomb. Death could not hold you back. And because of that fact, Lord, we are here this morning to give you praise and to give you honor. We're here to hear your message, Lord. And we ask today that as it is spoken through Pastor Mike, Lord, that he would deliver it boldly and mightily, that the gospel would be proclaimed and that hearts would hear it and receive it faithfully. Lord, we ask for your power this morning to be made evident to all of us as we hear your words. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was at the gym the other day, and one of my friends who happens to be uh, Jewish said, so, like, this is your Super Bowl week, isn't it? And I'm like, yes, it is. And we play games every week. Uh, you know, I, sometimes I, I, I look down here at the front row, and sometimes I say, well, I, I'm not just preaching to the choir, but I got to tell you, this kind of gives new meaning to it, doesn't it? <laughs> Some of the old Baptist church, they used to call those the sinner seats, so welcome aboard. <laughs> ah, we love it. 
We love you guys. Say, so, uh, mentioning that we do uh, meet, of course, as a church every single week, Pastor Keith and I will begin next week a series that's uh, entitled, Should I Join? We're going to talk about the depth and richness of what membership in a church, in any church, uh, means. And, of course, uh, we're not naive to the fact that we'll be, of course, calling some of you that have been members here for a long, long time to really investigate what it is that you've been up to as a member of the church and see if you're measuring up to what Christ has uh, called you to and see if you can grow in that discipleship. And, of course, to those that are not yet members, uh, explaining, we hope, in a very uh, workmanlike uh, manner to show you uh, what church membership is all about. So we hope you'll come back next week and join in. As for today, I'm glad you're all here, and I want to uh, welcome you all to Easter at Marion Methodist. Those of you that have been here for a while know that uh, I sometimes have been known to turn a phrase uh, in my Easter services, and that phrase, of course, is the ancient Eastern Orthodox greeting. When Christians meet each other on Easter, uh, one calls to them and the other responds, I'm going to give you the call. Most of you know the response, and if you haven't figured it out, you'll get it right now. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. indeed he has. Here we go. During this season that has led up to these moments, we have concentrated on what kind of a friend Jesus is. And several of us, Simon, Keith, myself, have stood right here in this spot and proclaimed to you that Jesus is a friend who believes in you, who forgives you, who rejoices and cries with you, who prays with you, who reveals himself to you, who serves you and lays down his life for you. And today we celebrate that Jesus is a friend who changes everything. Christ is risen. Indeed he has. Sing with me. This is why I have the choir up here because they can help me on this. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Things changed at Christmas, didn't they? There in the nativity, God became human in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus' birth changed the way that people could relate to God. God had taken on human form and was not far off any longer. He was not some unapproachable being that seemed to reside in the corner of a faraway galaxy, observing us, looking at us, maybe judging us. Nor was God an abstract or an ethereal concept of the hopeful mind, but far removed from time and place. No, at Christmas... God was now in Jesus placing himself firmly in the human experience, right here in the middle of history. The very notion that God would become a particular person in a particular town, in a particular year, is shocking. Many, many things changed at Christmas. But today is not Christmas. I know that for a number of reasons. Not only did I not have to sidestep snow plows and snow piles on the way in here. I also know this. This day has not been preceded by a crazed shopping season. None of you have told me how you sat out in the parking lot at 4 a.m. waiting to buy for $300 that $2,500 big screen TV that your man cave needed because it was on, on sale that day and that day only. None of you that I know have have attended a bad Easter sweater party yet, have you? 
My iTunes or the airwaves haven't been flooded by, by old crooners advertising their new take on Easter songs. Have you seen that? No. And most of us have not sent out a boatload of seasonal cards to friends, relatives, business associations, and I've not seen a single Easter special on TV aimed at our children. No Rocky, the misunderstood boulder who is tasked to keep Jesus in the tomb. I haven't seen that one yet. Nor have I seen Melty, the day-old chocolate bunny, who now lurks around in children's pockets, staining new outfits and ruining the leather on the back seat of Daddy's car. None of these things have happened, and all this is true. And yet, in the eyes of most practicing Christians, though Christmas changed many things, Easter rises above Christmas in our spiritual lives. This may be true, because the story of, of... Jesus' birth is only recorded in two of the four Gospels, Matthew and Luke. And all four carry extended accounts of his resurrection. It could be true because Jesus himself never speaks about his own birth, though he in fact was part in creating it. But he speaks frequently about his death and resurrection throughout his teachings. So while it is true, very true, that Christmas changes things. It is equally true that everything changes with Easter. Christ is risen. risen Now, I would submit to you, and you know what they are in your own life, that every life has events that change everything. There are certainly some in my life. One day, early in February in 1985, I was driving from my church in Colorado Springs to one of my last seminary classes in Vendor. It was a great day. I was almost at the end of my degree program. I've been in college seven years. It was time to be done. And it was snowing, not so odd in Colorado in February, and it was warm. Again, not so odd. So traffic was moving at a relatively normal pace on I-25, known as the Valley Highway there. And so I was unconcerned when an 18-wheel semi pulled up beside me and began to pass. But I will tell you this, my lack of concern changed abruptly in the blink of an eye. Maybe because of the snow in between his wheels. Maybe because he bumped his coffee. I know it couldn't have been because he was texting because that hadn't been invented yet. But what I do know is that prior to him completing his pass around me, he came back into my lane just as he had. My little Ford Escort was no match. His back wheel caught my front wheel and like a rock from a slingshot, I was fired towards the guardrail at 60 miles an hour. And interestingly, My spirit didn't match the circumstance. In the one second it took from the impact with the truck to the impact with the guardrail, I experienced, and I proclaim this to you as truth, nothing but peace, absolute peace. As my body, you know, worked to correct where the car was heading, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I heard in my heart and spirit, this is really going to hurt, Mike, and you're going to be okay. And at the same time, and I've testified to this many times, I saw that bright light that others of you have heard described in similar circumstances, and then bam, 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 I hit that guardrail three times. And the impact was so intense that all the windows in my car either broke or popped out. My luggage flew right past me and down the 60-foot embankment, 
And the four-cylinder engine that that Ford Escort sported was knocked off its motor mounts and came to rest on the asphalt in between the two wheels of my car. In fact, the only portion of that car that was not completely destroyed was the driver's seat where I was sitting. Though the bottom-end car of the Ford fleet was no match for a Mack truck, it was able to take out 92 feet of guardrail for which the Colorado Department of Transportation later billed me. And I will say in retrospect, the bill didn't really bother me because as Providence would have it, the railing that was only three weeks old, understand that? It had been there 21 days. And when I hit it, without a doubt, it's catching me. Kept my life in my body because the drop that I would have gone over, no way. I walked away with a small piece of the driver's window embedded into my arm. Not broke the skin. Didn't break the skin. And God be praised. I remember standing up outside my car and said, praise God. Right there on I-25. Of course, traffic had stopped for me. (laughs) And I will quickly tell you that though I didn't physically feel right for a week, I will also tell you, because I know the Marion United Methodist women were helping with me with my scholarships at that time, I was not late for class that day. It's a true story. Most importantly, and the reason I tell you, is that that moment changed everything for me. My perspective of life and death changed. My level of thankfulness grew My ability to get worked up at small things took a dramatic drop. My desire to use the rest of my life for something valuable to God increased exponentially. And I would submit to you that every life has moments that change everything. Two young parents were sitting in my office recently, and they told me this thing that most of us that have had children know. They simply said to me, you know, Pastor Mike, having the baby has changed everything. Well, yes, it has. One of our graduating seniors told me last week, we were sitting back there, uh, that he had received a huge scholarship to the college he wanted to go to. And he says, Franklin Pastor, that's changed everything because now I can go there. Every single life has events that change everything, different things. And for each of us, and all of those events are particular to us. Now, if I was an uh, infomercial, I'd say, but wait, there's more. Somebody that comes to church every week already knew that. He's not done 10 minutes in. (laughs) No, I'm just warming up too. See, it's also true. While we all have our individual and distinct moments that change everything about our lives, it is also true that every life, past, present, and those yet to come, have one event that changes everything for all of us. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let me tell you how that one effect, one event changed everything in the whole world. Twelve average guys, tax collector, a few farmers and fishermen, were transformed to a band that numbers today one in every three people in the world claiming that Jesus Christ is their Lord. That can only make sense if one thing is true. Christ is risen. Indeed, he has. And if you look at your cell phone, your watch, your calendar today, you'll see that today's date is April 20th, 2014, in the year of the Lord. 
A date that's not marked by some intergalactic calendar dreamed up by scientists and mathematicians. The entire world, all of the continents, uses a calendar that is measured by Jesus' life. Why? Because Christ is risen. Indeed he has. And though he never wrote a book, in fact, he may have never written a, a word that we know of. There are more pages written about Jesus of Nazareth than any other subject in all of the world. And why is that true? Because Christ is risen. He is risen. And he never composed a song, yet there's more music written about Jesus Christ than any other subject in the entire history of the world. Why is that true? Christ is risen. And he never picked up a brush to paint, never spun a potter's wheel, never yielded a chisel or a hammer to create a sculpture, yet more art has been created depicting Jesus Christ than any other subject ever. Why? Christ is risen. Indeed he has. And friends, it's simple. Easter changes everything. It changes everything about the world. The resurrection revealed to anyone who may have doubted that Jesus, who Jesus was that nothing is impossible for, for God. The dead do come to life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ offers a preview to the kind of life that awaits all who would believe in him. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is good news. No, I would say it's great news. That life is stronger than death. Love is stronger than, hope, than, than hate. Hope is stronger than despair. And coming face to face with the resurrected Jesus changes everything for, him, for his followers. You see, they were transformed from frady cats that were cowering in the shadows, assuming that since their leader had been hunted down, tortured, and killed, that they were next in line for the same treatment. To men, they were transformed who were completely unafraid of being hunted down, tortured, and killed. Completely unafraid of personal consequences who for the rest of their lives and and ten of them did face those kind of deaths proclaimed Christ with boldness. They would have only done that if it were true. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Easter changes everything. It changes everything for the disciples and for us. And so let me in the next handful of moments of the Easter message share with you six things that this means. First, Jesus defeated death so that we don't have to fear it. Jesus defeated death so we don't have to fear it. Yes, we all have to face it. It is an undefeated human, a foe to the human condition. But we need not fear it. For all of us, the valley of the shadow comes. And to assure us, as we begin the walk through it, Christ is risen. See, scripture after scripture after scripture testifies that the grave was unable to hold Jesus and that not just a few people saw him alive after he was seen dead and buried. Many saw him. That is why the apostle Paul wrote, you know, really claiming to all of us that, hey, we're not a bunch of knuckleheads. We don't believe in mythology and Holcomb. So Paul writes this, for we do not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And later he emphasizes the absolute fact of Jesus' death and the absolute fact that hundreds saw him alive after his death. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. Listen to the claim that Paul the lawyer is going to make. That Christ died for our sins. He's making the case that Christ died and was really dead. Now if you know anything, 
thing about history. There are many people that still argue whether or not Christ actually died on the cross and was actually put in the tombs. But the Apostle Paul is saying Christ actually died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was actually buried and he was raised on the third day according to our scriptures. And then he appeared and then he starts naming names. He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, now get the math coming on here, to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living today, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, Jesus' brother, then to the apostle, and last of all, he appeared to me, Paul speaking of himself. Many scriptures tell us that the resurrection of Jesus was not only a one-day event that included an encounter on the Emmaus Road on the mountain or on the seashore. The beloved Luke, who wrote the gospel that carries his name, also records during the 40 days after his crucifixion. 40 days, okay? 40 days. That takes us to June from right now, okay? So during the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. He appeared many times to many people so that the people in that first generation of Christianity might hear the truth of Christ's resurrection from someone they knew or from someone they trusted. Nothing could be more true in the history of the world than the fact that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. One of the favorite stories of this congregation, if you're new here, you might not have heard it. If you have, are not new, you have. And you may embrace it. The last time I told it, I got five emails before I got hold saying, home, saying you need to tell that again. So gird your loins, here it comes. There was a young man who had a little boy. It was a Saturday. They were driving around in the car doing this, that, and the other thing. They were just doing errands on a Saturday morning like dads and lads do. Windows were down because it was a nice day like yesterday. In the middle of the drive, all of a sudden, in through dad's door window came a bumblebee. And it starts buzzing around the car. The little boy is deathly allergic to bumblebees. And he begins to freak out like a six-year-old can. Daddy, 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 stop. Help me, help me, daddy, help me. And daddy, while keeping the car safe, reached out with his right hand and grabbed that bumblebee in mid-flight and squeezed it hard. And then he opened his hand, and the bumblebee began to fly again. The little boy began, Daddy, 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 son, 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 it's okay. He cannot hurt you any longer. And then he showed him his palm. And in the palm was embedded the stinger from that bumblebee. And he says, look, son, I've taken the sting away. While death may circle all around us, our Lord Jesus Christ has beaten it, defeated it for us. So while it still flies around our hearts and minds all the time, the sting has been taken away because Jesus has defeated death so that we need not fear it ever. And for that, Christ is risen. risen. Indeed, he has. And secondly, I would say to you that Easter changes everything, and that means we are forgiven. Many have made the claim, and Nikki Gumbel does in the Alpha Course, if you've not taken that, that the greatest need of human beings is to be truly forgiven. You know that, don't you? One of the greatest needs of human beings is to be truly forgiven. 
Now, there's an old legend. I don't know if it's true or not, but a legend that comes out of Mexico City. It was about a man that had had this huge fight with his son, Paco. Words had been said, a division had been caused, and Paco went his way and his father went his, and three years or more ensued, and father's heart was crumbling because he could not handle being estranged from his son so long. So finally, since he hadn't talked to his son for three years, he decided on an extreme course of action. He took out an ad in the largest paper in Mexico City, and it simply said this in big, bright, bold words, Paco. All is forgiven. Meet me at Central Park so that we can restore our relationship. Love your father. Now, you know the end of the story, don't you? The very next day, father went to Central Park. He was greeted by about 800 boys named Paco. Looking for their, do- their dad. Because everybody, everybody, needs forgiveness see the Jewish tradition had a pretty complicated pathway to forgiveness one would bring an animal the size and breed of which would need to be commiserate with the sin you'd been you needed forgiven for you and then that animal would be sacrificed cut up the blood would be gathered up priests would take the blood and sprinkle it on the feet of the altar of God and the life of the animal then was given to erase your sin and see at Easter, all that's changed. We no longer need to sacrifice animals. We no longer to sprinkle, need to sprinkle blood at, at, Christ, at, at, at our God's off, altar because Christ has sprinkled his own blood there. You see, Paul writes of Jesus in Romans chapter 4. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. To, to, to give us forgiveness. The covenant is changed. No longer do we need sacrifices. All of us need to make many sacrifices. One sacrifice is made, one time, and that's all that's needed. It's for you, and all of you are forgivable, and if you receive Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. No longer do we need to put, uh, the sanctuary courts need to be filled up with animals. No longer do we need to have sacrifices of this kind and another kind, because as the old hymn proclaimed, what can wash my sin away? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. In his death, you see, Jesus gives the best of himself to erase the worst in us. Understand that. In his death, Jesus gives the best of himself to erase the worst in you. For your forgiveness, Jesus Christ died on that cross so that you might live the redeemed life. For that, Christ is risen. He is risen. And that changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. Easter changes everything that means that we are beloved and loved without conditions. This is incredibly hard for many people to understand because it seems like all of our lives come with conditions. I was out to breakfast the other day and one of my buddies said to our waitress, Hey, I'll love you forever if you'll bring me some ketchup. She should have said, Hey, I'll love you forever if you tip me something big too, right? But she didn't. But, but there's that condition, and I, and I was once, uh, not too long ago, with, with one of our gals here in the church who told me, Pastor, he said he would love me if I would. And you fill in the blank. But Easter changes everything. No conditions. 
The Lord Jesus Christ tells you you're loved without conditions. What else would it mean when he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son, that so whoever would believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. And he goes on. We sometimes shut that off there. But read verse 17 of John 3. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. You measure up. Do you understand that, Easter people? One of the most important things you need to hear today is that you measure up. You are the one that God wants No conditions. And that is why. For you, for me, for us, Christ is risen. risen And Easter changes everything. God comes to live with us in his Holy Spirit. When the ancients of long ago, people of long ago, would come to help a brother or a friend or a cousin or something like that with the harvest, tending a flock or something like that, they'd say, I'm going to pitch my tent with you. Which meant, I'm planning to stay here a long time. Planning to stay here. See, Jesus has promised his disciples that he would be present with them. And he promises us that he'll be present with us. And as he prepares to the Father, go to the Father, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That is to say that through the Holy Spirit, God has pitched his tent with you and he plans to never leave you. And this presence allows you the strength to live the most important truth every single day of your life. And that truth is simple. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And because Easter changes everything, God has a great purpose for our lives. Jesus' Easter instructions to his disciples are pretty clear. I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. See, we are to call people to confess their sins and repent of their behaviors that take them far from God not so that we might lord over them or that we might be informed as to what's wrong with their God, with their lives, but that we might offer them peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what makes us fearless in the task of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The fact that Jesus is with us and directing us constantly towards this great purpose. And so finally, Easter changes everything. Because it gives us a certain future. Now, how many things are certain and guaranteed in our lives? Jesus himself tells of our certain future. He says this in John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. See, Easter changes everything if only we believe. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And because I represent Jesus Christ, and because this might be the only sermon you hear this week, I close with this. If, and this doesn't matter if you've been in a church 60 years or 60 minutes, if you are uncertain of your future, if your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is unknown, not secure, or broken, I offer you this invitation, and I encourage you, and I pray that you may accept it. 
Living in Jesus Christ is the best way. And if you want to live something like that and extend that life to forever and receive all the benefits that I've spoken of and more, I admonish you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There are no special classes for this, though certainly there is further instruction available here and at every Christian church I've ever known. So here's what you must do. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came as God present on earth to offer us salvation from our sins and from this world of one darn thing after another. Then receive the forgiveness that God offers you and invite His Holy Spirit into your life and spend the rest of your life becoming the man or the woman that God would have you be. You don't need to trust me on this. You don't need to trust those that are in the front. I tell you, you can ask just about anyone here that's made that decision. And if you do that today, this will be the happiest Easter you will ever experience because I guarantee you, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it will change everything for you. Praise the Lord. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Take a look at this. Hi, my name is Becky Tallman. I'm very excited to be a part of the First United Methodist Church. One of the most exciting things about First United Methodist Church is the adult education program. My husband Greg and I teach. Come on down and join us. It's lots of fun. Uh, with that invitation also in mind, please also consider uh, sending your youth to uh, 412 and Sunday school and programs like that. It's a great way to get a foot in the door for them uh, on their first steps toward uh, being a solid Christian and their, their walk with Christ. There are many more exciting reasons to support the United Methodist Church. Would you join us as the ushers please come forward? <laughs>